Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. We prayerfully consider what God wants us to speak about and we're looking at this subject of money. Now, last week, um, is that okay? That's good? So, last week we, we discovered that our attitude towards money affects our attitude towards God or reflects our attitude towards God. And conversely, your attitude towards God will affect your attitude and then your actions with, with money. And Jesus said that um, we have to choose who we're going to serve. You know that passage in the book of Matthew. He says, if you choose to serve God, you can't then serve money and vice versa. If you're going to serve money, you, you won't be able to serve God. So if you choose to serve God, to follow God, to be devoted to God, then you're going to put him first. And with that attitude, money is then going to be you know, dealt with a certain way in your life. And although it's a heart attitude, it's going to play out in your actions. If you put God first, it's going to show with your behavior and your lifestyle. And we talked about two things, one of the two things mainly, uh, that God gives us in the scriptures and in lifestyle to know and to show how we're putting him first with our money. And one is tithing and the other one is giving. Tithes and offerings, the Bible talks about them both. We looked at a passage in Malachi chapter 3. talks a lot about tithing, but it even uses the phrase in one of the verses, tithes and offerings. And so we looked at the tithe last week. If you weren't here, well, uh, just to give you a brief overview, tithing means 10%. And so it's the practice of committing on a regular basis the first 10% of all your income to God and to his work. And we discovered that, you know, God's people had been robbing God because they weren't doing it, uh, that it was something that God expects to be brought into his storehouse, which is the church in the New Testament, that it's a test of our faith, but it's a test of God's faithfulness so that if you do go and do that test and pass that test, you end up getting blessed. And we talked about blessing and also the fact that it honors God. And I shared how Ruth and I have been able to uh, give honor to God over the years by having our needs met and well beyond that by being faithful with our giving and tithing towards God. And other people have noticed that and that, you know, is a, is a good thing. It brings glory to God. Now, Tithing can be a challenge if you've been brought up to think that everything you earn is just for you. It's mine. It's precious, like Gollum. You know, it's just your little, you know, stash of cash that you've earned. It's not for anyone else. Um, And, you know, some people think they're being really generous when they're really not because they've got all this money. It's all theirs. And then, okay, the kids knock on the door and want to sell them chocolates. And, oh, all right then, you know. Well, you just really buying chocolates, you know, and, and the kids making a little bit of money for the hockey club or whatever. But some people feel like <laughs> making a big difference here, you know, or they drop a couple of coins in the box of the Salvation Army at the shops and feel good about themselves. And God's got a totally different angle and way of looking at generosity because the tithe in God's economy is not actually being that generous, is it? It's just returning to him what is already his. It's honoring him and saying, yes, God, this is always going to be your portion. First 10%, it's yours. And then if I really want to be generous, I'm going to give beyond that. So the tithe is just a foundation. And that can be a bit of a challenge. And that's why God says, test me in this, in that passage in Malachi. Because for a lot of people, they think 10% flip, that's a lot of money. And you're saying that that's not even generous, that I haven't even started to give. 
That's God's? It's mine. What do you mean it's mine? Well, of course, it's a test of our life and our stewardship, isn't it? Everything we have. The breath I just took, it's a gift from God. Everything I've got. The creation that you are, the, the existence that you have, the talents that you've got in your life, the skills, the brain that you're so clever with, it's all given, created by, from God. And so tithing is a way of remembering and honoring God in that sense. And, um, and as I said, beyond that, well, then we are involved in giving and we decide how generous we're going to be with offerings. Now, of course, in the Old Testament, they had, uh, you know, direct results of their labor in their hands. You know, you're a farmer with crops and you'd bring your crops and they'd bring them to the temple. And the priesthood would be running off that provision. And then some, you know, herdsman would have his cattle and they'd bring that physically. Well, of course, these days we've got money. And the currency we have represents our work, just like the cow that they had raised or the harvest of crops that they had worked hard to get. We've got money that represents how we are living our lives, the investment of our, uh, of our talent, uh, uh, how we're working. Uh, so when you invest your money, you're investing something that represents your life, aren't you? Whatever you buy, whatever you're putting something that represents how you've spent your skills and work. And so you've got to be smart. You want to invest carefully. You want to be careful and smart about how you're you know, spending your money. That's why gambling is such a shocker, because although there might be a promise of a big gain at the end, it's actually a very poor investment. You know, It's a poor investment from a stewardship point of view, from a spiritual point of view. You're saying, God, I don't trust you with provision. I'm going to trust in lotto. And you, uh, but it's also just dumb, because the, the, the odds just don't ever add up. You know, for every winner, there's thousands and thousands of losers. For someone that just loses a little bit of money in the pokies, there's another family that's been totally destroyed because of the addiction that got in someone's heart. And so I'm all for these controls over sport and betting because I'm into sport, but I'm shocked by how often if I turn on a footy game or something, they're saying, oh, don't forget, the odds for the game are, and while it's playing, and bet on the first goal kicker and all that. And I find it offensive because I know people's lives have been ruined by it. And I don't have a problem myself with, you know, can I have a go on the pokies that flutter on the ponies or whatever, you know. But I know some people have had that uh, attraction. Um, but even if it's not a thing that gets the grip on you, it's just bad stewardship. It's just, you know, the principle, even 20 cents in the pokies. Uh, I, you know, I recommend you, you don't do it. But when you come to investing your money, giving to God and God's work uh, is, a, is an honorable investment. And the other big investment that people make, instead of thinking of God and, and what he's doing, is, of course, investing in ourselves. I read an article in the newspaper, just, and they come up every now and then, a couple of weeks ago, and talked about how most people in Australia now can afford what was once luxury items for very few people. 20, 30 years ago, only the very rich could have some things that today anyone can get into their lives. The latest gadgets the biggest TVs, the overseas holidays, once they were considered just for the, the very rich, the very few, uh, and now they're within reach of most people on a regular income. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just a matter of focus and priority, isn't it? Is that something that we're chasing, serving, lusting after, or can I really just trust God? And the fact is when you do trust God, you can have those sorts of things as well. 
There's nothing wrong with being blessed. You can have the big TV and the overseas holiday. In fact, come with me and look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Later in the New Testament, Paul writes to Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, right at the end of the um, book, in verse uh, 17, Paul says this, Command those, or command those, who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you hear that? Listen to that again. Command those. So here am I. This is like I was saying before. There's a scriptural mandate for me to teach about money. I'm commanding you not to be arrogant or to put your hope in wealth because it's uncertain. Look at the share market, man. It's amazing. Just sentiment. Like billions and billions and billions of dollars wiped off the share market just this week. You know, they had one big day, biggest fall in the several years, and entire companies have to stop the sale of the shares because the company's about to go under. All, all because of what? People get a feeling. Oh, gee, I, I, you know, it's might, maybe time to sell. What, you're selling? I better sell too. Everyone's, ah, panic, ah. You know, and that's what happens. It's panic buying, you know. And the next thing, you know, companies go under, and it's just feeling, sentiment. Word, rumour, that's very uncertain, you know. And in fact, I was in the car with Luke uh, on the way to footy training and we heard this report about it. And Luke said, why do people set up their company with shareholders anyway? And, uh, you know, because you then, at, you know, the vagaries of the market. And I said, well, it's a good question. It's usually just to raise capital. But if you can keep it totally within your family unit or whatever your small business partnership structure might have been, it's a lot safer. But a lot of companies that do well want to expand, so they raise money by offering shares and and off they go. But then often you read about family companies that have lost control of the company or the company goes under because the share price and the sentiment. Anyway, so you'll agree. Don't put your hope in wealth. It's uncertain. But he says, put your hope in God who what? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you hear that? I think that is a wonderful promise. But you put your hope in God first. You put your trust, you prioritize to God, and he will provide. And then it goes on and says, command these people, here I am again, command you, do good. Do good. To be rich in good deeds. Be rich in good deeds. Okay, this is Paul writing to a pastor saying this is what you should teach on, see? And be generous, be generous. And willing to share, be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, live a sacrificial lifestyle to keep you on the road to heaven. Not only will your finances get blessed when you do things right with your money, God's way, but you'll keep your heart towards God and you'll end up storing up treasures in heaven. It's not just about the blessing that you get on earth. That's available. That's cool. It's like a throwing in extra. But if there was nothing else in it, you would want to live a life of sacrifice to God, of commitment to God, and living with your investments keeps you, you know, where your treasure is, your heart is there also. Keep your heart in the right place. Now, this is an awesome passage, and uh, it's not just words. It's there to be followed up. So watch what happens when someone really takes God at his word. Right? Now let me pick on a couple of people. Uh, Byron, 
you're worth picking on. Oh, no, 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 I won't pick on you. I'll pick on uh, Adam. Right, so Adam, I want you to come here and be just the star of the show, right? Here's Adam's actor extraordinaire. Uh, now, let's say Adam becomes Christian because he's been coming to church for a while. And we think it's about time that he makes a real serious... No, no, let's say... Uh, and I'm going to pick on um, uh, young Matt Webb here. So, Matt, I'd like you to come out here. Uh, now, so here's Adam and he becomes a Christian, right? Now, I'll make a couple of notes here I've got to check up on. Uh, so he, he gets saved, he, he starts praying, he goes to church, he gets along to a connect group, uh, he reads his Bible, uh, and he reads this scripture we just read from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and he reads other scriptures from Malachi and other passages about tithing and giving. And so he thinks, well, I think I will trust God. I'm going to really not just you know, read about it, I'm going to really do it. I'm not just going to pay lip service to God. I'm really going to do something. And so he decides to step out. He reads here, it says, don't put your trust in wealth. You read that, didn't you? See? And uh, it says, don't be arrogant. See? He decides he's not going to be arrogant anymore. And, uh, and so he's going to put his you know, finances in God's hands. So let's say he makes $1,000 a week, which is just uh, pretty average. I think the Australian average income is just above that. So he, he's making a thousand bucks a week. He decides to tithe. He's very clever. So he figures out that that's a hundred dollars a week that he's going to tithe. But he also joins this church and, and finds out about the building fund and 101. He happens to find out about it so much that he goes and lives on the property and becomes the caretaker there. But, uh, so he says, I'm going to give five grand in the next financial year. And so that's $100 a week, roughly. It's kind of $99 a week, but he's generous, so he bumps it up to 100 right? So he says, I'm going to give... So now he's giving right, the, the tithe, $100, and another $100 from his $1,000. And, um, and so that's where he's at. Meanwhile, Matt, now I'm picking on Matt because he actually, I know in real life, is an honourable young man who loves his wife, who tithes and gives to God's house. Okay, But he's also involved in the acting world, having been behind the scenes on... Actually, you've been... No, I know you're involved in the acting world. I didn't say you're an actor, but he's involved in production of TV shows. But you have actually had some... Um, how do you say? Bit part politely. Uh, sorry. Yeah, haven't you been in front of the camera? Yeah, there you go. See, so he's, he's launched onto the stage and the screen. But I'm picking on him uh, because uh, he's in this role now, right, of a guy who is not a believer and does not trust in God with his money. And, uh, and he's a mate of this bloke and finds out what he's doing with his money. And it's exactly, he thinks that that's silly. Uh, he also makes a thousand bucks a week, but there's no way he's going to give any of his hard-earned money to nobody, and so he tells him, "Well, you're an idiot because you've now only got eight hundred bucks out of your weekly wage, and I've got a thousand, and so he's doing this right, and he thinks he's so clever, right? Um, so uh, meanwhile, like I said, this mate, he's um, he's making the same money." Um, and, and, you know, he even thinks, look, I can live on 800 bucks a week. He just does a budget. He's heard the talk of promises of blessing, but he hasn't experienced it yet. So he thinks, well, okay, but in the meantime, I've got to feed my family. So he actually re-budgets and thinks, yeah, no, I can live off the 800. A nice surprise is going to come his way when the blessing of God hits. But in the meantime, he's thinking, 
I, look, I love church. I love the spiritual food that I get because he's been reading Malachi, you know, the storehouse. And so, uh, and he loves the fact that he's a, he loves physical food, but he loves the he loves the fact that he's a contributor. And so he's becoming a contributor. He's a keeper, you know. He's just hanging on to it. But watch what happens. His microwave oven breaks. It's not the end of the world, but he really likes his microwave. And he needs a new one, so he has to go to the shops. And he buys one, two hundred bucks. There, right? At the same time, he needs new tyres for his car because he's got to pass Rego. He goes to the shop and the prices have just gone up. They're 150 bucks a tyre, fitted, four of them, $600. Bang, there's another 600 He also loses his wallet and when he finally finds it and gets it back, he finds that the $100 cash in his wallet has gone. And so now he's started with 1000 bucks, and now he's got 100 Right, because he had to buy tires and buy the microwave and he lost 100 bucks from his wallet. Get this, he goes home and he's got to go to a wedding so he gets out his old suit and he finds that moths have eaten his suit and he's got to buy a new one and that's 300 bucks for a decent suit so now he's $200 in arrears because he has to put on the credit card. This is the stuff of life, this can happen. And in fact, that scripture in Malachi, God says, I'll rebuke the devourer if you're a tither and a giver. Well, he's not tithing giving and God's not rebuking nobody and the devourer is out and he's stealing and killing and destroying his suit, right? Now, like I said, I'm picking on him because I know that's not real in real life and he can handle it, right? But meanwhile, Adam, the contributor, the Christian contributor, the generous one, his microwave also breaks. He comes to church and he tells one of his mates at church and they say, hey, that's so funny because just I was just talking to John who got a new kitchen put in and the old microwave didn't fit and the other microwave's only a year old but he'll give it to you and he gives him a microwave. And it's nearly as good as new and it's for free. Saves him 200 bucks. See? And uh, this sort of stuff happens, right? Uh, he also needs tyres but again, he comes to church and someone says, I know a guy called Steve down at Wyoming, Christian guy, He'll do you a great deal. That's true. I can tell you his name later. And, uh, and he does go down and he gets a good deal. And instead of paying 150 bucks a tyre, it's only $100 a tyre. Four new tyres for car for Reggio, $400. I mean, he's not living in fairyland. He's still got to pay money. It's not like God sends, you know, tyres from heaven. But, but he just believes and, you know, he gets a good deal. What else? Loses his wallet. This is life. Again, oh God, why didn't you send a heavy angel to sit on my car when I left my wallet sitting on the roof, you know? This is true. I was going to pick on Dale, but he's not here. It must be with kids or fixing something somewhere. Uh, This happened to Dale a couple of weeks ago. Left his wallet on the roof of the car at 101, drives off, goes down past the nursery at Narara, remembers, goes back, and there on the side of the road, over about 40 metres, are all the different parts of his wallet. So again, it's not like you become a Christian and God, you know, protects you with an angel to stop the wallet from, you know, slapping you across the head and pointing you to the roof. You know, life happens. But get this, he goes back, he got everything back and the cash that was in his wallet, he found on the side of the road, a little bit under the bridge, and he's, you know, all around, and he's got all his cash back. So, loses his wallet doesn't lose any money, actually finds it and gets it back, right? Just like Dale did. And then what else happened? The suit, the wedding. Has to go to a wedding. Same scenario. Goes home, goes look, looks in the cupboard, finds the suit, not eaten by moths, and get this, in one of the pockets he finds $300 that he can't remember putting there. 
And that is also a true story because it happened to Tony Chirkoff years ago. And I remember everybody went home and started checking their suits, go through the cupboards. It was, go with the, hey, where's my old suit? You know, but it's true. It was hundreds of, some hundreds of dollars. So here's the equation. Started a thousand, tithed a hundred, gave a hundred, ends up with only eight hundred. Mr. Taker, smart aleck, thinks you're an idiot, but the end result is, I did the math somewhere, he's nine hundred dollars better off. From his 800, he's still got 700, plus he's contributed $200 to God's work. And that is exactly the way things often happen. What awesome acting as well. Like the way they held their character. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. No, 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 sit down now. Yes, I know, he's enjoying the limelight. No, no, there's no, no speaking part. Maybe next week. No, get deacons. Oh, no, he is the deacon. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, that's... That's exactly what I've experienced and what many of you have experienced. Those sorts of coincidences, God incidences. They're, you know, it, it, it happens because you invite the blessing of God when you honor him. And that's what Malachi talked about. The floodgates of heaven, of heaven, the blessing of God flooding into your life. One more scripture. Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because the other way of talking about this is in an agricultural term, the Bible tells us. The blessing of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, is also called sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. All right, listen to this. Remember this. That's what it says. Sowing, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That is an awesome passage of Scripture. Notice it says, don't give reluctantly, don't give under compulsion. And that is my heart, and we've often mentioned that in our church. If we're talking about money, if we're having an offering, if it's for a guest speaker, if it's for the building fund, if it's for missions, of course, we are fundraising. It's part of the practice of the church. We have no government funding, no other source of income, and so we are inviting people in the community to make a contribution. But don't ever do it under compulsion. Don't ever feel any pressure. No matter how enthusiastic someone might be and how often they talk, because they might be just showing someone who's not been in church the last three weeks and you're thinking, oh, for the fourth time already. You know, we're seeing all the building fund details. It's like, well, just handle it. It's okay. You know, there's no one there throttling you, you know, with an FPOS machine, so, you know, leaning over you. No compulsion, okay? All on the same page. Good. Now, it also says there that you reap in accordance with what you sow. So here's the agricultural deal. And farmers know this. You know, how many farmers are sitting at home whinging and complaining that they haven't got a harvest if they didn't put any seed in the ground? Of course they know they had to go and sow the seed. And it's risky because at the beginning of the season... There's no summer rain promised. There's nothing in the horizon, on the horizon. So they go out and they sow the seed and wait because there's a wait. There's often a long wait, but it comes if the climate's right and the soil is good, you reap what you sow. The farmer doesn't eat his seed. 
He doesn't say, oh, let's just bunker down, kids, get in the barn. We're just going to eat on the seed. And you can live off seed. It's got some nutrition, but it's got a lot less than the nutrition and the abundance of provision that comes if you sow it and produce a crop, whether it's, you know, a grain of wheat or a tree or just an amazing thing, isn't it? A seed. You know, the, the tiny little seed. And you look what comes with it. I mean, go home, buy a packet of sunflower seeds and throw them in the backyard when it's sunny. Boom! You know, any kind of plant life that has this seed power is an amazing example of this principle that Jesus teaches us throughout Scripture. And here, Paul, to the church and to us as a church, right through history, it's an opportunity for us to realize, yeah, God is into harvest. He is into the seed effect. And he invites us to sow and reap. And we only reap in accordance with what we sow. So that's why some people don't have much going on in their life, and they wonder why. Well, because they haven't sown. And it's not just with money. You can apply this to any part of your life. No one loves me. I've got no friends. Well, go and be one. Ring someone up. Find someone who's lonelier than you and help them out and invite them out for lunch. No one invites me to lunch because you haven't invited anyone to lunch. You know, and so we sow. We've got to make an effort. We've got to sow with our life, our talent, our time, and our treasure. And so here, particularly, this context is talking about money. And so this is why we're invited to sow. And this is when you see people without maybe a lot of seed, they don't have a huge income, but they're blessed. There's an abundance because there's a harvest coming into their life. And as Adrian Gray said a few weeks ago, if you take godly risks, you'll get godly results. Remember Adrian Gray was here? What an awesome day we had. And again in the afternoon, I'm not sure if he said it here in this service or with our uh, leaders and volunteers in the afternoon, but I remember I took it down. He said, if you take godly risks, you'll have godly results. And he's lived a life of following God and being practical in his devotion to God, being generous with his life and his time and his money. And he's seeing, uh, he, he has seen many, many times great blessing as a result. So, Tithing and offering. Remember, when we do it, we're putting God first. We're showing to us, to the world, to the devil, the devourer, to God in a sense of honoring that we're putting him first. The money becomes a holy offering, part of our life of offering towards God. And also remember that when you're a tither and you're a giver, you're a contributor. You're not just a spectator to the work of God. You're using your money as a tool to build the house of God with. And then also remember that you are opening up windows of blessing, that you are putting seed in the soil for a good harvest. And you want to do that with faith. Amen? And so, as Ruth mentioned earlier, we've got the building program coming at the end of the month. There's these brochures up there. I do want you to all have an opportunity to contribute, to be part of what is going on. It's a historical point of time of, uh, in the history of our church. And... Um, and you can believe for a harvest. You can believe for the blessing. And so we'll bring this pledge and offering at the end of the month, tax deductible. So there's an offer, uh, you know, benefit there and an incentive as well. Um, but the great thing is that we are contributing and also being blessed. We can abound in every good work. It's a good work when you're giving to God. Amen. hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. 
You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.